another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Megan Coleman from MASH Minute. I'm Charity Steele, who started laughing before we recorded, and now I can't stop. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and we have a guest! <laughs> or a third co-host, or whatever you call this when we do a project, and we get ten minutes to talk about. And we can bring whoever we want in. And as soon as I started posting about the best years of our lives, I learned that I had to have my dear friend Sarah Kugel on to talk about this film. Hello! <laughs> yes, and I am so honored to be here. Thank you for having me again. Yay! Yay. It's, so good to, it's so good to get to talk to you. Uh, Sarah and I, I guess I can't just say Cooperstown crew and like the world will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we can <laughs> tell the world about it and they can all think we're crazy. Yeah. Hey, we've kind of taken over that hashtag on Instagram, so you're going to mostly see us if you go there. We go to Uh, Cooperstown together, Cooperstown, New York, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame every year because both of our significant others have been going together for like 30 years. 1992 was Chris's first year. Yeah. And so it's this lovely family tradition and tyranny and I are, I would say, part of the new generation, you know, or the new Y. And it is so much fun. And it's like a great reunion for all of us. Anyway, that's how we know each other. (laughs) Yeah. William Wyler movies don't always come up. Although, honestly, I'm kind of surprised they haven't before. I'm telling you right now, I would like this to be discussed at one of the dinners next year. Put it on the docket. Yeah, especially if they don't have... So the dining room where we would have dinner used to have someone playing the piano and you could make requests. And so then it became a big thing to make sure we got in all our standard and requests. Then one year they had a quartet, a trio. I might be imagining things. One year they had a harp. And then some years they don't have anything. So I think if there's no music, we're just going to have to go talk in 1940s movies. I'm ready for it. I love it. This is perfect. Well, first we have to finish up talking about our last minute of the best years of our lives, but certainly not the last minute of the movie. Far from it. Mm-mm. This is minute 50, which starts with Millie finishing tucking Al into bed. And there is a moment and we will talk about it. And it ends. Oh, no, she goes back in. Sorry, I had her and Peggy at the end of this minute instead in my brain with them just laughing at the boys and their drunken antics. But no, she goes back into the room and that's when we get the moment. The, the, oh, yes. Mm. Should we start so, from the top? Yeah, let's start with her making sure his her uh, flipping hand is accessible. <laughs> you love that Peggy hair flip. Yeah, these you see Peggy and Millie. Millie comes in. Peggy's setting up the couch. I assume for her, she's going to sleep there because, yeah. okay, Fred's in her room. They exchange a few words and then this giggle, which I just read as like, oh my God, these men. Yes. That is 100% the vibe. And I love the way, because she says, like, is Fred all right? And Peggy goes, yes, Fred's all right. Like, I'm not doing it justice. I am not Teresa Wright. The resignation, but also the, like, that idiot is fine. Don't worry about it. And Millie's not even (laughs) looking at her. She's looking at the bed. Like, her mind is already on to the next thing. Yes. That's when they, when they finally look at each other is when they're just like, can you believe this was our evening? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. And I think you you kind of need that break because as a viewer, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but you see Peggy put Fred to bed. You see Millie start to put Al to bed. And you're just like, holy moly, these women are just 
they're carrying the load here. And I think mm-hmm. as a, an audience member, I needed the laugh too. I needed that release. Just And I think having the two women kind of give each other that knowing glance and exchange that giggle allows you as the audience to kind of take a deep breath before they Millie then goes back into the room. I have to take a moment to just drool over this apartment and these oh, built-in yes. bookcases with the doorway. Ah, oh. I know. Oh. I would love to see like a layout of what this apartment is like. It is just yes. so gorgeous. The built-ins. Yes. Oh. It is a perfect apartment. And I am obsessed. I'm so jealous of the next set of hosts who get to talk about breakfast because I <laughs> love. And it's funny. It's a small kitchen. It's not a fancy kitchen at all, but it's just perfect that's what it needs to do yep and so much coffee is consumed in this movie i doubt that came up in your in your class about it but i was very aware that a lot of cups of coffee get get consumed in the two hours and however many minutes that this film is as a caffeine addict no judgment it made me want a cup of coffee But yes, I love Peggy setting up the sofa for her, which is not what I think at first glance you would expect. You would think like, all right, well, they're not going to leave Fred on the sidewalk. So they've brought him home. But Al is out of it. Fred is out of it. They don't know what to do with them. You'd think Fred would get stuck on the sofa. Yeah, totally. But what way is that to treat a guy who just came back from war? Yeah. We gave him the fancy bedroom. That's a whole extra layer because it's it's almost a gender flip. The stereotype is the man out on the sofa. But you're right. When that man has just come home from war. You got to give him a real bed. Yeah. And then we see Millie goes back into that gorgeous bedroom. I know. I will Mm -hmm. say the one thing I am sad that we don't get because I love their little goodnights. Future people are going to get to see Peggy's bathrobe and I it has shoulder pads. Like, can we just take a moment to appreciate the 1940s fashion? Oh, amen. Totally. In which Peggy's bathrobe has big shoulders. (laughs) Well, yes. Back into the bedroom. I love the tiles around the fireplace that kind of match the wallpaper, but not exactly. Like, it's just a nod. It's gorgeous. It matches so perfectly. And then the pictures of Peggy, and I'm so sorry to Millie and Al's son, whose name I will never remember. I don't remember either. But yeah, that's the first time you really see those pictures there. Yeah, and then the obvious symbolism is, you know, he's back in back in his home. You see the kids, which are their past, present, and future right there. And then we have the hover. That's what I call that oh. part. <laughs> it's so, because she comes in and I just, I love because she looks at him and she gives a little sigh, like a contented, happy sigh. And again, I think this goes back to Millie is a mother and the stereotype is like, parents just want to watch their kids sleep. Like when the kid is asleep, you could watch them for hours. And that to me is that loving, contented look that she gives him. And isn't that sweet? And so she decides to go in and the music comes up and she's like, I'm going to kiss my sweet sleeping husband. (laughs) And it does not go well. I'm going to back up a tiny, tiny bit because Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, she leans over and this music starts playing and... Since we're just really diving into the minute, we'll get into the minutiae here. But when that soft music... One of us. One of us. <laughs> oh, my God. You're making me one of you. Um, 
Be careful. She has to ask you to do a whole podcast. Yet. It is a slippery slope. I am three episodes in and I'm Watch like, there. let's get into the minutia of this minute. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm, call me a groupie. I've accepted my place. So you hear the soft music begin and the shot pushes in to Millie's face, which I think of this whole scene between Millie and Alice is the first time we see a tight shot on Millie's face. And the way I think of it, you know, after watching this minute multiple times, I see the music is really reflecting Millie's internal monologue. You know, the way she looks at her husband, like you mentioned, the music's very sweet. It's very tender. It plays and you could almost imagine what she's thinking, like you said, Tyranny, you know, looking at him fondly. But then I also hear in the music and I kind of use the music as my guide because I've interpreted it to be her internal monologue is that you see at the same time in this hover that all of the questions she's you know first oh look at him in bed you know and then it's all of the other things wash over her will they come back together is she taking the moment to savor this there is a moment and i i wish i could find exactly where it is but when she's still standing before the hover you see the moment where she's like wow he's really bad like it hits her yeah al's home And there probably was part of her that went out and said goodnight to Peggy. And if she had walked in and he wasn't here and that had all been a dream, she would have been like, yep, and gotten into her own pajamas and gone to bed. Like, and the fact that she comes into the room and he's still there sleeping. It's so surreal. Ah, Yeah, I totally agree. And it's amazing that after she speaks to Peggy that and says goodnight to Peggy, there's no other leading up to the kiss. There's no dialogue. All we're seeing, I mean, we are getting all of this from a scene that doesn't have any dialogue. It's pure facial expressions. It's the music. The shot, there's only two different shots. It's a wide shot and one tight shot. And yet we're getting all of this from that. She's amazing. She's incredible. She is incredible. And then she does the lean in. You know, something I never noticed is in the wide shot, and I'll have to look and see if it happens. Oh, maybe I'm imagining this. Maybe I've interpreted this too much in my own thing. No, his hand is out flat. He looked annoyed in his sleep already before she... Yeah. It's more obvious afterwards, obviously, because like his eyebrow kind of curls a little bit. Um, You can see that he's furrowed his brow and i was trying to see if he ever clenches his hand into a fist but i think it's just it's hidden i think it's still flat but yes all right so so we're hovering we're hovering and i imagine i just kind of clicked on it again just to see (laughs) seen one Mm -hmm. more time but she hovers she leans in the shot is tighter she hovers and then i see in her face it looks to me like we see as i mentioned all those thoughts wash over her How will they come back together again? What will happen next? What will this next chapter of their marriage be? And she like leans in purposely to kiss him. Then she pauses again in the hover. And the way I see it, it's almost like she's reciting a silent prayer for him and for them. There's just multiple stages of the hover. Yeah, because you can see at some points, at some point she's stopping just to look at him, just to appreciate the fact that he's here oh, and he's real underneath her. But you're right. There are there are some moments of hesitancy. It is not an easy thing. <laughs> and how she is able as an actress to convey all of these different emotions and we're picking up on them. You know, you could see her mind shift in the scene. Yeah. And I think that too is part of the laugh with Peggy is almost, it, it's laughing at the, at the men and, and, 
can you believe the sour night goes? But it's also a little bit laughing at themselves because just as Al dreamed of what this night would be, she was probably doing the same. And she's like, this is not what I thought it would be. And Peggy's like, nope, because I'm sleeping on the sofa. Like, (laughs) I think in that hover, you see that moment. I love the idea that that's what her hesitation is for a moment, that she takes a moment to to hope the best for them, to, to hope that this will all come out right. And then she goes for it to be a romantic. She's like, nope, this was not the night I planned, but he's here and I'm going to kiss him. And you can see, it, I think, as she's looking at him, a couple of those looks are, darn, my husband is cute. Look at my cute husband lying there. Yeah. And then she kisses him and then he does not respond well. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> Do you hear the same thing I hear? I think he's saying, get out of there. Uh, yeah. That's a I can't tell if he says get out of here or get out of there. Yeah. And um. I only think it makes a difference because, I mean, the, the hand gesture is universal. Yes. Is he saying the equivalent of get off me or is he thinking of someone get out of there? Which I think it's just the get off. I think it is just I'm an going instinctual with get, off get off me. I think it doesn't whether it was a direct response to her kiss or whether he was having a dream and that happened simultaneously i don't think it's neither here nor there i think the fact is like she's she's hovering over him and i imagine her asking like will we be okay and then she gets her response immediately that there's not going to be a walk in the park and that they have a very big challenge ahead of them but uh, wow. yeah, she and it, I think the music just ends right away. Like you hear the music, yeah, this music kinda, that I love, it just yeah. clicks off. <laughs> it's like you're done. I think that makes perfect sense then if it's her internal monologue because she just reflexively gets up. I just realized I did not put it together until watching these one minute at a time and talking to you that we see her in the last minute very specifically leave his hand out so that it's above the blanket and that's the hand he pushes her away with. Mm. Interesting. I didn't notice that. Like, it's Chekhov's arm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. I'm going to rewatch that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Yep. It's the it's the hand that she, like, left out. I joked she's leaving his flipping arm accessible, but really, uh, kudos well, to this I movie guess, for doing be- that. I guess it's better than the alternative of, you know, he ends up, like, punching her in the face if he used the arm that's yeah. closest to us. Um, that would that'd be bad. No. Um, and it would, I, maybe staging wise, it would look weird too. I was going to say, good on this movie staging wise, because if we had not seen her specifically put that hand above the covers, would anyone have questioned it? Like, yeah, he moved while she was in the other room. No, no. They set him exactly for this moment. Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. That is some goddamn amazing attention to detail right there. And you're totally right. We wouldn't have thought anything of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think in her hesitation, in this scene it comes back to a point i made before about you know the movie is about three men and this this larger story of what was happening as they came back from war but in this moment you really see the internal strife and the pain and turmoil that these women are experiencing and when the men are asleep you know the women you see what they're left with and what they're gearing up to deal with after dealing with you know she's her husband has been at war and she's had to take care of her kids raise her children without her husband you know make do take care of the house 
and now he's home and it's it's not not everything is what she thought it was going to be and even the quiet moment that she tries to have like the evening was not what she was expecting but she was she was still trying god bless her like at this point she is still like this is gonna we're gonna be okay this is still al and she goes to kiss him and he pushes her off Oh, yeah. oh, poor Millie. I know. And I think one point I forgot to make is that in the hover, when all this stuff is going through her mind, what I interpret as like the last hesitation before she kisses him, I thought it was like she's praying to herself. But I think part of it's also her wondering if, to come back to the title, if the best years of their lives, like, is it all behind them? Will they get it back? You know, for her, what her definition of the best years is, is different from Al. And I know you guys will explore that and what it means for these men and what the best years of their lives actually were. But for the women, you know, they had hopes that things would come back and go back to normal. So their interpretation of what the best years of their lives is, is different from the men. And I think, I think in that moment, she's wondering if the best years are behind her. And then when he kind of swats her away, I think he gets that answer. She gets that answer that they'll never really go back. And that's why I love, and this is, this is my last minute. So I'm just going to say the Millie and Al love story is just so well done. It's funny but it's hard like because the the scene with them at the dinner when he's drunk making his speech is hilarious and it's played for laughs it's played as a comedy but the background you have to have between two people for that relationship to make sense to work for her to be able to know exactly where that line is that he is about to barge across and how to stop him that's beautiful that's that's what 20 plus years together with a person does (laughs) It's really amazing to me. And there's the wonderfulness of Peggy and Fred getting to know each other and seeing, in a weird way, I feel like they see in each other what they like about themselves. Like, there are things that they have hopes for and want to do, and they see, they get each other excited about it again in a way that they had both kind of given up on or tried to give up on. So they have a really sweet moment. Wilma and Homer is absolutely beautiful. But again, that is what started with the like, I just wanted to reach through and shake Homer and be like, hi, idiot. Can you listen to your girlfriend for like five seconds? She is being very patient with you. (laughs) And then Fred made decisions and Al was being a buffoon. And I just wanted to like give all the women in this movie a big old hug and be like, you guys are doing great. (laughs) Yeah, you really feel for them. And it's amazing too, coming off of, I did a project about A League of Their Own this past summer and the whole lives that these women had that these men just weren't privy to. Yeah. And almost never will understand or be privy to. I mean, that was one of the things we joked about. We were watching A League of Their Own. And spoilers, I guess, because, you know, that's only 1992, not 46. (laughs) Dottie, who is the star catcher, her husband is back from war. Oh, wow, this is really spoilers. I'm so sorry. She's not going to play in the World Series. She's going to go home with him because her husband's back. And they. she just wants to go home and be back with her family. And won't that be great? And she won't miss baseball at all. Well, and guess what she does and she shows up. But Rachel and I had a really interesting conversation because we were like, at what point does Bob realize she's walked out on the World Series? 
Like, does she come back because Bob is in the car with her being like, what are you talking about? You want to go home now? We can go home in a week. Like, no, we're going back and you're playing this last baseball game, you know, because he is always shown to be supportive. And we realize at some point in the movie, another character asks her, does Bob know how good you are? She never answers that question. And we wondered, we were like, Bob is in Italy at this point. Does he have any idea? You know, at some point, obviously someone tells him his wife is playing in this league in Illinois and he goes to meet her. But Bob has no idea what's going on in all of this. You know, he he knew she was good on the softball team back home, but we have no idea if Bob realizes that his wife is the star of a baseball league for a season. And it's making me think of this because Al has no idea who Millie has been for the past, like you said, months, years that he's been gone. Yeah, he has no idea. And she has no idea what he's been through either. I mean, she could guess, but, you know, they didn't know. I don't think anyone could ever fathom the horrors that were seen. And women, you know, on that note, took a second seat. Because if anyone's story was to be told, it would, you know, the men's is is first. But the women were just kind of silently trudging along. And when you look at this movie... To this point, nothing had shown when this movie came. By the time the movie came out, there weren't any movies that portrayed what it was like to come home for the men. But there also weren't any movies that really showed what it was like for the women. Don't you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I can't think of any. and I I can't either. It jives very much with what players from the real league said because everyone in my generation is like, how could these women not have been shouting from the rooftops, I did this thing? And they said, we just never talked to... If you said I played in a baseball league, people assumed you meant softball. By the time you explained the league, the conversation had moved on without, you know, like... It just wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. And and you saying, like, it makes sense. If someone says, what did you do during the war? You assume they're asking a man, what did you do during the war? And what the women did what, during the war was considered kind of irrelevant as long as they kept the home fires burning and the kids alive. Like, that, <laughs> that erasure is so prevalent that you don't even realize how subversive this movie is that we know Peggy works at a hospital or volunteers at a hospital. I can't remember which now. She works. Peggy was a kid when he left she has had a whole experience that is still shaping her life now she gets to do that because she's young but like oh god here's a depressing thought do peggy and fred's kids know that their mom worked in a hospital at some point or does she become because they want to move to the country she's gonna be in charge you know she's gonna be taking care of that house i don't know now i'm thinking way too far in advance on this (laughs) but i think one of the things i like about this movie though is that like i liked how strong these women are like not like oh because they stayed at home but like they're really interesting characters in their own right and they're not pushovers and they're not like oh yeah we just wrote them in because you need a wife to take care of some drunk guys asses you know it's like which i feel in this era could have very easily been how they would have could have been written in if you were going to make this about really about homecoming and you're going to really focus on the guys you could have just made the woman characters just afterthoughts and they're not at all no they're super fleshed out as much if not more so in some ways than the guys are (laughs) yeah the closest you get (laughs) is on the one hand we don't get to know wilma very well in comparison to peggy and millie and marie but I feel like that's almost on purpose because a lot of the point of the Wilma character is she is just butting her head against this immovable wall trying to be like, I'm over here. (laughs) I'm a whole person. Talk to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And it's like we can't see, like he can't really fully see her and everything she's doing for him mm-hmm. and how available. Until the very end. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like we get snippets and we could obviously see and understand more than he can. But um, that is interesting that she really is takes the backseat. I wonder if it was always like that or maybe she had scenes that were cut. Oh, I don't know. I mean, these gals have whole stories outside. I mean, Peggy has a whole story outside of what's going on with Fred, a whole life that she's living. So yeah, I just, Wilma compared to a lot of other women in films of this era would be an incredibly deep and fleshed out character. And I think she only feels the most paper dolly compared to the other female characters. And that way, that conversation in the kitchen in the bedroom is like a breakthrough. Yeah. So anyway, really hope none of the listeners were watching this only five minutes at a time every week. So sorry. (laughs) Hashtag not sorry. Um, We had feelings they needed to be shared. That is the minute by minutes way. We have talked about this. I just, I'm going to go back and freeze it on. I love how tired Millie looks when she's talking to Peggy. And then as soon as they like lock eyes and start laughing, she's like reinvigorated. Yeah, which is something I think we could all relate to that exhaustion. And then that, you know, the giggles that follow (laughs) that exhaustion. But this is just a fantastic scene. I mean, the exchange, but you get everything. You get the exchange between the women. It kind of captures all the heavy lifting that they're doing. It captures, like, maybe some of the PTSD based on Alice dreaming. And you also get the rich acting and, you know, the existential question that exists throughout the whole movie about the best years, that ambiguous question that hangs over the entire film. It's like you get it all. You get it all in this one minute. And that's why I love it. (laughs) I just love the back and forth between the differences between Peggy and Fred. And uh, listeners, there will be more next week to compare and contrast the Peggy and Fred and the Millie and Al and the different Mm. the difference between seeing young and settled. Although, like you said, a settled couple at a very unsettled point in their relationship. Very well said. There's all that background to them. There's all that history between them. But they are also starting over in a way. Very well said. I think we're going to start wrapping up. Does anyone have any other feelings about the best years of our lives that they need to get out? I mean, I guess this is my last hurrah. So I guess I'll take the opportunity. Go for it. Go for it. I would just say this movie, watching it for me, is almost like a religious experience. It's so emotional. It's so beautiful. And you guys have even brought up things, even though I've seen it not a ton of times, maybe 10 times I've seen it. I want to go back and I think there's still things I'll catch. You know, talking about these scenes with you, I think that looming the title is just, you can't get away from it. It is, it just haunts you this entire movie. And I think the title is especially haunting in the scene. As I said, we just, what were these best years? I mean, is it before? Is it after? Is Obviously, what we come to find for the men, it was during their time at war. But again, in every minute, you really kind of go back and forth. And as a viewer, whether you know it or not, you're kind of figuring out gradually, like a mystery at some 
revealing itself what those best years refer to. And I just think these these three scenes that I got to chat about with you really encapsulate that. So thank you for having me on to talk about them. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about this. This is really great because yeah, obviously a lot of things you're bringing up are things I have maybe in passing thought about, but it's really nice to just dig into them and really make yourself sit with it and see like, okay, wait, no, this person is interpreting this way. And these two people in the same scene are just on with Millie and Al, they're just in totally different worlds in this scene. Can I ask you ladies a minute by minute question? Sure. (laughs) And you could cut this. So you're going through this minute by minute and it's, I really enjoyed it. Do you think it'll ruin the movie for you in the long term like could you ever watch the whole movie again so that's actually a huge thing that has come (laughs) up and i have to say i've done a bunch of these now and watching it minute by minute has yet to ruin a movie for me okay Um, i notice things that i wouldn't have so like if something is blatantly wrong i will now always notice it (laughs) (laughs) But I will say it definitely made the movie MASH more interesting for me. That's the one that Meg and I did together. And that was the movie that I had seen a bunch of times, but it wasn't one of my favorites. MASH is my favorite TV show. That's how we ended up looking at that. And now even the scenes that I rolled my eyes at, I know so well that I'm, I'm in it. Well, this movie, Jeff, I think does lend itself because really it's just so seamless and beautifully thought out. But let me know if you feel differently after. (laughs) I can't believe it took until I was watching like while we were recording and I'm looking at it and I'm like, she put that arm out on purpose. Like those are the little things you (laughs) notice. And now I will always notice it. So yeah, it's definitely a different experience. And listeners, if you love this concept and want more, there is a website, moviesbyminutes.com, that is quickly approaching 200 podcasts in this format. You're welcome. (laughs) Slash we're sorry. (laughs) Um, If you're looking for more of this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. And I believe we also mentioned that there is a Facebook group, Butch's Place, The Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe. The listener groups for these podcasts are basically the only reason I'm still on Facebook. Sorry, Aunt Pat, except you don't listen to these anyway. Uh, (laughs) Facebook, I have some feelings about, but I love being able to talk to other listeners and just really dig in and be interactive. If you feel even more strongly about Facebook, they are on Twitter at The Best Minute. So there are other ways to contact them. Megan and I did MASH Minute together. That's at mashminute.com where you can find all our episodes. And soon you will be able to find remastered episodes. And I am debating if we can get ourselves on Spotify. However, we used covers of Suicide is Painless on our Friday episodes. Oh, and right. Cutting... And they probably don't look so kindly upon Spotify that. does not look as kindly upon that. And I could just lop them off, but I would be sad to do that because yes. some of them are amazing. And who knew there were that many covers of Suicide is Painless? Let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> quite the variety and I would hate to lose it. So I think when we remash. Remash. When we remash. Remash. Mash, mash. Yep. Yep. I'm already having fun with the puns on this. When we remaster the podcast. Remash. <laughs> 
I know MASHMinute.com will be a place to get them. So that's where I'm directing everyone in the meantime. Oh my god, I need to make a logo now for that, yes. for Instagram and whatnot. There oh we go. And we have a T Public store and we can sell the logo on it. But yes. There you go. Uh, if you go and listen <laughs> to it right now as this episode is airing, those first few weeks, oh, ooh, the audio quality is rough and I'm so sorry. It's 100% my fault and I will fix it eventually. So that's where you can find us. And Sarah, you um, probably don't need to do plugs for CBS. I'm pretty sure they have an entire advertising department (laughs) that takes care of that. What do I want to plug? I mean, I don't know when people listen to this. Right now I'm plugging wear a mask. That's probably going to still be accurate. Yeah. At least when, honestly, when traveling, this should just be a normal thing because I would like to not get sick every time I take a flight. That would be, I would like to get on airplanes again, but, but wearing a mask, that's fine. I can do that. (laughs) Yeah. I have nothing to plug. Oh, I kind of have something to plug. I'm going to plug. I would like to ask people to visit a local museum or cultural institution. As of now, when we're recording this, about 30% of cultural institutions, museums, and historical sites say they're at risk of closing by the end of next of this year, not 2021. So I would say throw them some support. Go visit. Get a membership. Give them some love. I'm just going to go stare at all my membership cards in my wallet. That didn't know I know that right I now. can't <laughs> use because I can't, I can't leave my state. And I just, it's okay. Get to Boston again someday. It's okay. In New York, it's gonna be okay. Uh, these are not the best years of my life, but the best years of our lives. The podcast will continue on Monday. Hey, Joe. You better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.